According to the National Women's Business Council, the number of Latina-owned businesses in the United States has exceeded 2 million, marking an impressive growth of over 87% since 2007. In a report released in 2021 by Latinas in Business revealed that Latinas now account for 40% of all Latino-owned businesses in the country. In this episode of the Latino Business Report, our guest is Dr. Alejandra Rodriguez Milky, a renowned expert working at the intersection of culture and leadership. Dr. Milky is a dedicated consultant and a speaker who focuses on reducing intercultural tensions through diversity, equity, and inclusion facilitation. Empowering Latinas to succeed is not just a job for Alejandra, it is her passion. Dr. Milky's own journey is a testament to determination and achievement. As she imparts her knowledge and coaches other Latinas, her success is amplified. Through her guidance, she equips fellow Latinas with the necessary tools and strategies to achieve their own remarkable success stories. Welcome to the Latino Business Report. This podcast covers business, people, and issues of the day from a Latino perspective. The Latino Business Report is brought to you by TAMAC, the Texas Association of Mexican-American Chambers of Commerce. TAMAC is the leading Hispanic business organization in Texas since 1975. Now for your host, J.R. Gonzalez. And welcome to another episode. Today we have with us Dr. Alejandra Rodriguez Milky. She's an amazing woman. She's originally from Monterrey, Mexico, came to University of Texas in Austin to complete her PhD in her education. And she's one of these Latino women that are out there making things happen. One who's never satisfied with the status quo, is proud of her heritage, and keeps pushing the envelope to educating more women to make sure that they reach their full potential. Dr. Milky, thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you for having me, JR. It's a pleasure to be here today. Oh, the pleasure is mine. It really is. But uh, let's give a little bit of background on yourself. Um, you came, you're from Monterrey, Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, then you came up to the U.S. Can you just kind of give us some background before we get into your business a little bit uh, so the listeners can kind of have a better understanding of who you are and where you come from? Sounds good. Excellent. It will be my pleasure. Well, yes, I was born in Monterrey, Mexico, and uh, I worked in the education field for a long time. I got my master's there in Mexico until I had the great idea of applying to an American university. It had been my dream to come to uh, study an American university. And of all the places, I chose UT Austin because it was close to Mexico. It was going to be close to home. And of course, it's a fantastic university. So I took a couple of trips here. I visited the university. I came here and I was actually going to apply to another master's program. However, the advisor there, when she realized that I already had a master's there, she took that application out of my hands and put the application for a PhD. And uh, being always the person who's always trying to do the next big thing, I said, why not? Let's try and let's do it, right? And I did it. I applied for the GRE. I applied to UT Austin. And they said yes to me. So it, uh, and I got here. I, you never forget the day you leave your country. I got here on August 4th, 2000. And uh, UT 
welcomed me with open arms. I have to say it was a fantastic experience. I was able to um, learn a lot of things that I didn't know, that I didn't know, right? But it surely did uh, put me in the path for an amazing career. I have to be honest, I came looking for answers. I wanted to get a lot of answers. But of course, as any as any other good PhD program, you end up with more questions, right? Questions that have guided my my career after that. Okay, so you got your doctorate in what? My doctorate was in the actual name was in language and literacy within the curriculum studies department. So what I did, I I was researching through my uh, all my PhD years, how does our culture impact and our identity impact what we do with language and literacy? So that was my first kind of project about how is this thing about culture, specifically our culture, a Latinx culture, how it, how is that? How does that impact what we do? how we show up in the world, right? The, uh, how do we just be people, right? So my, my work was around uh, how does culture impact what we do with language, what we do with a writing, a reading, right? Because it's important to understand that if you see it from the point of education, to understand what is the best way to provide education to uh, individuals, specifically the Latinx community. So that was my PhD, that was my program. We say the best way to so in other words the best way to communicate with them so they can have a better understanding of what you're what they're learning. To yeah, to understand what their their the culture, how does that impact what they're gonna do? So we talked a lot about culturally responsive teaching, like make sure that we are not teaching just in a very generic way, but that we take into consideration what they bring to the game in terms of cultural understandings cultural behaviors, cultural values, right? So we push a lot to to ensure that these students could be seen uh, as members of a specific culture that could be understood like that, right? So we're always trying to find ways to connect with them in more meaningful ways, yeah. I, I understand what you're saying and it makes sense, but I'm trying to still wrap my head around it. <laughs> so when when teaching, so can you give us some examples of, of this cultural teaching, if you will, or or how the how a person's culture could affect or differentiate themselves from other students in the classroom or the way they learn. For example, let me tell you some stories. When I uh, for my dissertation, I followed three Mexican origin girls, right? That that was my first interaction with uh, in a professional way with uh, Latina Latina women, and there was. Of a strong disconnect from what these girls were doing at home as fam- as members of a Mexican origin family, as teenage girls, right? They were creating their identities and their personas as women, as Latinas, as Mexican girls, right? They were helping home at home a lot, right? They were trying, some of them were working because they had to. So that's a life that they were experiencing outside in school. However, in school, they were seeing things about uh, cruise ships and they were uh, 
talking about things that were they were not related to what the girls were experiencing outside of the school. So that big disconnect, right? So that means it makes education very difficult because the girls didn't feel seen. The girls didn't believe that anyone cared about them, about their lives. The girls were just going through the motions, just going and doing without not having any kind of like aha moment where you're, oh yeah, that's my life. I I see my life in what you're talking about as a teacher, or I see my my experience in what you talk about in the classroom, right? There is There was that big disconnect about like, hey, nobody understands me and my culture. Nobody uh, really sees me, understands what I struggle with, what is difficult for us, what we are very good at, our strengths. So there was that disconnect between what was happening outside the school and what was happening inside school. And that happens to a lot of students, right? Not only Latinx mm -hmm. students, but there is, there is a, that yeah. A disconnect. So there wasn't a lot of Latina or Latino students that would have winter break in Aspen for skiing. Huh? <laughs> that not not a lot. And I remember one of them saying, "They just treat, they just treat us like dogs in here. Just go here, go there." And it's like there is, they feel that true disconnect. And some of them had had learned to really play the game, right? They learned how to be the good student, and they 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 understand that. Okay, they don't, they're not talking about my life experience, but heck, I'm going to have to be here. Let me just do it, yeah. right? But uh, uh, generally speaking, that, that big disconnect really can really make schooling very difficult for everyone. And, and that I can understand. Let's take, for example, if you have students coming from, for example, South Texas, Low Rio Grande Valley. Now they're there, they're born there, they're raised there, they go to high school, then instead of going to Pan American, they come to the University of Texas, or they go to out of state, or they end up at MIT or <laughs> Yale or Harvard or something. I mean, that is a whole different culture. I mean, it's kind of like college life is so different anyway, but then the, the whole cultural differences, and especially in some parts of the country where you're one of the very few Latinos or Latinas on campus, it, it makes it difficult for them. So I can see how the whole um, educational type thing, it's important to include cultural values and understanding uh, in a person's professional and personal development yeah just to be aware right i mean that, that there are that there are so many different ways of being of working of living and that if we could all learn how to be that culturally aware things would be much much better there was a, another example of these students and i thought about it because just you mentioned south texas how they were um students who were um migrant workers right migrant farmers and and you said about Christmas, right? So it was January and there were two brothers who tell this story, how they were in the classroom and the teacher had every student say what they had gotten for Christmas, right? And the, the brothers, they say like, oh, we were just kind of getting ready to make up something to, because we didn't get anything for Christmas. And they were like, okay, should we say a bike? Oh yeah, you say a bike and I say a football. Okay, yeah, ready. <laughs> <laughs> and they were like waiting for their turn and they would be like, oh yeah, I got a bike. And the brother, oh yeah, I got a football. Well, they did not get anything. So that disconnect is going to really make things very difficult uh, in education and in the workplace as well, right? 
Okay. And with a growing uh, with a growing Hispanic population across the country, it is it is important to understand those cultural differences. Now, Alejandra, stepping on, so you got this degree, you got your PhD. Congratulations on that, and of being a uh, brave enough to do so, because I know there's a lot of differences. Then what happened to you? And then uh, more important, how did you start your first business? So after my PhD, I did not go for a professorship. That's kind of the usual route that people take. Uh, I was not going to leave Austin and it was very close to Mexico. So I was in, I was in a good spot. So I'd work at the UT for some years, um, doing research, educational research for this, uh, and research unit within the college of education. After a while, I decided to, uh, become a consultant. So I did a lot of consulting work. And after a while, when it was an important year in my life, age-wise, I decided to go and see how all those Latinx or Latino students that I had seen in the classrooms and that I had seen in school districts, how they were doing once they were knocking the doors of corporate America. I decided to become a, a consultant for the for-profit world, for organizations, and I decided to help them with their diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. And I decided to also become a coach for Latinas. So around 2019, I made the jump and created my first my first business, my first company, which was scary. It was scary. I had never done that before. I did not mm -hmm. even know how to open an LLC, which turned out it was very easy. So I, I did that. I created a website. I, I did all that. And that's how I took that big, big jump to be a more formal and not only an independent consultant. So I really had that desire to um, ensure that organizations knew how to leverage, specifically leverage Latino leadership. I believe that there's a lot of potential in the Latino community, and I really wanted to help organizations leverage that Latino potential and talent. So uh, doing that to, through DEI work, diversity and inclusion, and through coaching Latina leaders was a, was a, a good way for me to bring all my experience into the for-profit world. Now, the name of your company, I believe, was Latina, Latina Power Consulting? Latina Power, Latina Power Coaching. Coaching, I'm sorry, yeah, that's Latina fine. Power Coaching. Now, when you're talking about teaching corporate America to leverage, can you explain that? Go into a little more detail of, of what you mean by that. So I, I do that by making... First of all, there's a lot of knowledge and learning that uh, that happens, right? We I help organizations understand that one an organization is diverse, it's going to be more profitable. When an organization is inclusive, they're going to be uh, able to be more creative and innovative, right? So that is one first the level of knowledge that they need to get. And there's actually facts to back to back there's this up. I research. mean, when Research will, will, will say and document that when you're inclusive and you include more different ideas and people of different cultures and backgrounds, that you're more productive and more profitable. Exactly. Because when you have all these different perspectives, different points of view, 
what happens is that everyone has to work a little bit harder to understand, to respond to other ideas. So the work is going to be more robust. It's going to be more sophisticated, right? Because you, you are not in a very comfortable space of like, oh yeah, everyone thinks like me. It's going to be all with the same solution. But on the other hand, you are pushed to consider new ideas. You are pushed to respond differently. So that makes any kind of work better, more innovative, more creative. So people have been able to found and confirm that, right? So that's the first thing. Now, living in Texas, right, and living in, which is so uh, close to more than 40% Hispanic, right? And even the whole country, the way that we are growing as a demographic group, I think is, I believe is imperative and crucial for organizations to understand that this demographic, the Latino demographic, is has all this potential. So if we if you bring them into your corporation, if you develop them and if you uh, groom them into make this the leaders that you need, your organization is going to be uh, it's going to benefit from that. Right. So when I say leverage is to understand, like, yeah, let's bring them. Let's bring all the the creativity, the, you know, the resilience, their hard work, all the, eth- the work ethic that they have, the ideas to make sure that you can bring all that and put them in benefit to, to benefit your organization. So that's what I, what I mean when I talk about leveraging Latino leadership, because as you will know, the numbers are just amazing, right? We are yeah. growing and growing in ways that are going to completely change this country, demographically speaking. No, oh, absolutely. So, yes, I think corporations need to recognize that, that you just can't have Taco Tuesday in the cafeteria and say that you're, <laughs> that you're being inclusive. It, it takes a little bit more. So so with that, you, you started this company, and now you've um, went on to a, you started another company with a couple of individuals, mm-hmm. and uh, that is El Puente Institute. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you do with that? And then I do want to get into a little bit about some of your leadership tips and and some of the things that you actually teach some of these women of how to become better leaders. But tell us a little bit about the uh, El Puente Institute. So uh, with, with my previous company, with Latina Power Coaching, I do a lot of DI in, in general for companies, and and I coach Latinas. Right? Uh, I think Latinas, Latina leaders are. And amazing. And I think Latina leaders have all these human centric leadership skills that others have to sit down in trainings to learn. Right. I think Latina leaders are inclusive and they have empathy and they have flexibility and they have all these skills that other people have to learn. So I think that's that's what I do with my clients, my coaching clients. And I think they are amazing Uh, with with the El Puente Institute, what we did was to, I joined forces with two other Latinas with a doctor program. So we are a group of three, Las Doctoras, as we call each other. And we have developed a culturally relevant leadership development program called Ascender uh, for Latino and Hispanic uh, leaders. For We have a version for emerging leaders and we have a version for established leaders. And this program is uh, is created by on based on the foundation that we have a specific 
culture, specific cultural drivers or cultural scripts that impact our performance, our actions and decisions. And what we have found is a lot of us sometimes are not a hundred percent or very much aware of these cultural narratives, cultural drivers, as we call them, that uh, guide our actions, right? And sometimes some of those cultural scripts keep us playing very small, keep us playing in very safe ways, right? Do not let us really show up as powerful as we should be. So we want to ensure that uh, through our program, we help people, individuals understand that culture, those cultural drivers. And based on that, we help them be aware because we say when you can name them, you can tame them. So you, once you know them, you can use them in your benefit, right? Or you can maybe bring them down a little bit so you can really show up powerfully and authentically. So that's what we do. We also have other services in terms of other kind of trainings, but our flagship product is Ascender as a leadership program that is based on these cultural drivers. Okay. That, That makes sense. Now, for the benefit of the listeners and for the benefit of myself, As we know, um, in the in the United States, Latino population is is continuing to grow, and will probably double one more time before it plateaus off. You have a in in business itself. I mean, over the past decade, in businesses, uh, there's been about a forty four percent growth rate amongst Latino owned businesses compared to about a four percent growth rate with everybody else. But we're also looking at within the Latino market. You're looking at Latinas women are growing their businesses or starting businesses six, seven times faster than any other market. So I have to question you, Dr. Milky, <laughs> why? What, what is it? I mean, you touched on some of the points. And, and what I heard you saying is that a lot of these skill sets required to be successful, to be good leaders and successful in business, are kind of a, an innate quality that, that Latinas have. But how does that kind of translate, and more importantly, from a Latino, always trying to figure out Latinas, which I'll never, probably at the end of my life, never figure it out completely, or just women in general. What natural instincts do they possess that enables them to be so, so successful in leadership and in business? Well, there's a lot of uh, entrepreneurs that are Latinas, and, and this is what I, I think and I believe, and of course... Sometimes they do it because of need, because sometimes the places where they work are so um, non-inclusive that it's better for them to start their own business and try to do it on their own, right? Than try to keep working Mm -hmm. in these places that are not inclusive, that are not inviting, that are not... Uh, welcoming, right? When uh, microaggressions after microaggressions has pushed them outside of those places, right? No opportunity opportunity for advancement. advancement. Mm -hmm. They're doing all the work. Somebody else is getting the credit. Exactly. So at some point, they're like, I'm going to do it on my own. I'm going to show how powerful I am. And when you do it on your own, you have all this freedom to really show up as who you are, right? As with all the power that you bring, with all that hard work and that ethic and that resilience that is very characteristic of Latinas, right? There is um, unapologizing. They don't want to apologize for anything. So they bring all that, that cultural wealth that I always talk about, right? That we have learned from our parents, that we have, uh, first we were colonized by this, and then we have to be here in this country with all this 
uh, discrimination that is present. So we have a lot of power so that we have a lot of force. And that's something that I see all the time. But I see that sometimes that force and, and I at the beginning, JR, I used to say, well, do I only get the good Latinas? I mean, how am I only getting the good ones, right? Of all the people that would approach me until I realized it's not that I'm only getting the good ones. It's that all of them are so powerful. However, once they are in these places that are not inclusive, that they don't know exactly how to uh, play the game in these ways, they kind of start playing small. They started going down, right? So that's why a lot of them is like, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to go and play my own game outside and do my own thing with as an entrepreneur. Because in corporations, one of the things that we have found out is that these Latino cultural values really clash with U.S. Um, corporate values, right? So when they're, again, that disconnect, right? So in corporations, uh, the U.S. point of view, the Anglo cultural script is about self-promotion and, and uh, debating and questioning and all those things that a lot of the uh, our Latin values do not represent. We tend to be more humble. We tend to be more modest, right? Respect, against authority so that sometimes that's why they don't succeed in these corporations however but sometimes they decide i'm just going to do it on my own and they have all the right because they have the power the talent and everything right sometimes it's like yeah let's go and do it on your own right dr milky i understand the 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 point you're making about uh being a latina there's a lot of good ones and uh, every one of your students mm -hmm. was was a good latina but they had achieved the level where they were approaching you, they were in college. But isn't it true that it's that cultural experience that really elevates them to a point to be able to handle that? Whether it be a Latino or a Latina, that history that you were talking about of, of their country of origin, how they were raised, some of them, um, you know, lived in you know, barrios or in colonias or didn't, didn't really have all that much. So it's that struggle at an early age that helped develop them. So when the challenges come forth in a corporate or business world, it's not that big of a challenge compared to what they've been through. And this is, this is true for a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, Hispanics out. The question I have is, will you say that the person's struggle that they've had and the cultural differences that they've experienced combined develop the person to become a better leader because they have faced that a lot of these things and have overcome things since an, at an early age. Yes, definitely. I mean, that's why I talk a lot about resilience and I talk about hard work ethic. I mean, I think that there is a, a, a lot, a lot of what we have gone through that, of course, only can make us stronger, right? I think that it is and that's what I keep saying. A lot of uh, Latinas have these leadership skills that other people have to go sit down and learn because they have not experienced that, right? So there is a lot of that. And they, they I think that the problem is that they, they need to understand how powerful that is. They need to understand how that, what they have gone through, what we have gone through, right? That can really be the foundation for a lot of growth and potential and talent and action. And sometimes it's, that is the, the switch that I always am trying to make. It's like all the things that you have, you can use them in your benefit. Don't feel bad about them. Don't feel like you are uh, lacking or you're defective. Everything that you have gone through, all that is going to be part of your cultural wealth. 
something that a lot of people aren't going to have that. So you have to make sure that you understand that, are aware of that, and find ways to bring that into the conversation. Find ways to use your resilience to keep working in any project. Have ways to use your uh your ability to make connections, personal connections, to develop the relationship that you need for the work, for work, right? So that is always my my job, to make sure that they understand who they are and what they bring so they can use it for the benefit and the benefit of their business, either entrepreneurs or the benefit of the organization if they, if they work in an organization. Yeah. Okay. Now we're talking about a lot about Latinas and the superpowers that they have. I mean, how about us Latinos? I mean, do we, do, do we count? <laughs> or, or do we do we just follow, are we just here to be uh, told what to do by Latinos? Well, we need all the support. We need you. We need oh. you. Oh. <laughs> we need hand in hand, hand in hand with us. But no, our Ascender program is is for both Latina and Latinos for for anyone, right? Of course. And uh, and I have to say that a lot of times when we talk to uh, Latinos and Latinas, a lot of these cultural values of of uh, home humility and modesty and uh, uh, a problem with self promoting and also affect Latinos. You would it's also it's not only for Latinas. They also affect Latinos. So it's very clear that as a as a culture we have develop a lot of these cultural scripts and we need to be very aware of them first and to make sure that we can use them in a way that help us or in a way that or when they don't help us see how we can deal with them right to reduce them right so there's a lot about for example self-promotion right like anything about talking about our accomplishments using the word i we tend to use the word we so of, there's a lot of things that we can learn. And of course, I'm talking about uh, in generalities, right? Archetypes. There are many ways sure. that people are different. But at the same time, there are a lot of commonalities that I see. So even Latinos can express some of these uh, struggles with uh, self-promoting. And I'm talking about what we have done. I, I teach people to use the word I. And when they introduce themselves, not only use... I am and my name and I do this for a living, but like, hey, I, I, what is the something that you have achieved, something that you have done, right? Something that you have really uh, accomplished. Make sure that you talk, you're, you're getting used to talking about that because it's very mm -hmm. important for visibility purposes, right? For all these things. And, and we need also, as we need to work together, right? We need to be united and work together, uh, regardless of gender, towards the, the the benefit of the Latinx community, right? Okay. Well, Dr. Milky, thank you very much, and I do do not want to leave this podcast without giving you an opportunity or asking you if you would be so kind. Can you give some tips out there? We have a lot of Latina listeners out there. And um, is there anything, any advice or any tips that you have for them that would maybe help them feel better about themselves or maybe encourage them to understand that they have a superpower and to use it? Oh, yeah, they do have a lot of superpowers. And I always talk first about self-awareness, right? I think there is always 
any kind of journaling, any kind of, uh, it's going to sound a little bit crazy, but meditation, any kind of time when you really take five, ten minutes here and there to really write down about you as a person, as a professional, write it down. Make sure that we remember that. Make sure that it stays there with you. I also talk, if you work in a corporation, make sure that you have a brag book. Make sure that you write down everything that you have done, every single accomplishment. Be- a brag book? Brag book. Brag book. Okay. Because sometimes it's, it happens that you sign for your performance evaluation and the manager knows more about what you have done and it cannot be the case. You need to write down every week what you have accomplished, what you have done. So by the end of six months, you can take a look and say, look what everything that I have done. And every week, the Friday, you're going to be a different person than you were the Monday before. There's always growth. There's always something. Even if it was right, I don't know, whatever, as small as you think it is, write it down. So a brag book that is going to help with self-awareness. Also, uh, language, that's a very important thing to keep in mind. Your internal dialogue, what you think and say about yourself and you say to yourself continually, have to watch what are you telling yourself all the time because a lot of those things come true. So language is very important. Language for what you tell yourself, right? Make sure that you, you keep the language very positive. Like I always try and use words uh, like I have, I create, I'm grateful for, right? Uh, that's very important language. And the language that you use to talk to others about you, right? Make sure that you keep that in mind. How, what language are you going to be using with others to talk about you? So language, self-awareness. And also the last thing is... Um, your personal board of directors. Who are your people? Who do you hang out more with? Who are your connections? Who are those people? Choose them well, because that community is going to serve you well if you chose them well, right? And your board of directors, your personal board of directors can be uh, what some people have name your social your vaccines your social social vaccines when you live in worlds that uh, or you live and work in worlds that are not very inclusive so the people that you surround yourself is key who what are they talking about what is the conversation what are you t- dealing with right so the people the language that you use for yourself and with others and your self-awareness and that you and your brag book that would be three tips well, thank you very much for those tips. And uh, never consider doing a brag book, but uh, some people think I do enough of that without a book. But okay, that's uh, a, a good tip to have. That's, and that's the other thing, right? Culturally, uh, the word brag has a very come up this emotion, right? The word brag brings this emotions like I don't want to brag. I, and again, it's cultural. It's cultural, yeah. and we have to make sure that go. we keep all those things close to us. Exactly. Like I learned to tell people a long time ago, I'm not conceited. I'm just convinced. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, well, Dr. Milky, thank you once again. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to the Latino Business Report. My name is J.R. Gonzalez. I've been your host. And we've been here with Dr. Alejandra Rodriguez Milky of El Puente Institute. Dr. Milky, thank you for being with us. Remember, folks, you can listen to the Latino Business Report on uh, latinobusinessreport.com or anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. We also have our complete library on YouTube under the same name, Latino Business Report. Till next time, have a great day and be careful out there. And Latinas, you have a superpower. Use it.